Thank you so much for leading us in that. All right. Let's pray again before we consider our church doctrine together. Father, would you illuminate our hearts and minds today, this evening, to consider your truth and word once again, to look at our church's doctrinal positions on a variety of things, and would you help us to see important biblical truths and biblical foundations for all of us, and that you would help us to uphold as members of this church the doctrine of our church, and that you might use some of these messages to encourage us in the truths that we believe. You would give us like-minded unity, even in our thinking. Help us to see important realities today, together. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I couldn't think of a better Sunday for us to come to Article 7 of the Baptist Faith and Message than this one, because for those of you who are with us this morning, we saw in our Galatians series, we saw in Galatians 3, 26 to 29, um, some crossover on the topic of the ordinances, specifically as it relates to baptism. If you remember, we saw that we have become adopted into God's family through faith in Jesus Christ. And we were then, after we had faith, we believed, we were baptized, and we put on Christ as that first public act of faith when we went public as Christians and put on the teen jersey, so to speak, in our baptism. Well, now we're just going to follow up on some of that here and look at what the Baptist faith and message has to say on the issue of the ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And we're going to do that right away. And point number one is on baptism. Let's see what our church doctrine says on the issue of baptism first. Christian baptism is the immersion of a believer in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is an act of obedience symbolizing the believer's faith in a crucified, buried, and risen Savior. The believer's death to sin, the burial of the old life, and the resurrection to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. It is a testimony to his faith in the final resurrection of the dead. And as we've seen regularly, the truths from our church doctrine and the Baptist faith and message is rooted in truths of Scripture. So consider a few passages with me. And first and foremost, the Great Commission, as we see in Matthew 28 and verse 19, it says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then in Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, we read this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that 
just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now, when you come to an article of faith, the Baptist faith and message on baptism, you know that we Baptists are going to have a lot of things to say, right, as Baptists. But since I've preached a whole sermon series on ordinances last year, including sermons uh, about church membership and the two ordinances of baptism, Lord's Supper, we could make this teaching short and sweet tonight just to see what the Baptist faith and message says. We all know that Jesus himself was baptized at the start of his earthly public ministry. And then after his death, right, and resurrection, we read, as we just read in the Great Commission, he commanded the church, us, local churches and churches everywhere, and specifically there on that day, he commanded them, and then it carries on to churches all over the place throughout all history to baptize and disciple people, teaching them, the things that Jesus taught and said, to to obey what Christ put forward for us, teaching them the gospel. And that right there is the mission of the church. And And it ties in here with what we just saw also in the last article of Baptist Faith and Message, which is Article 6, on the doctrine of the church. You see, there's a connection from each of the different doctrines but we as a church, are, are it's important for us to be doing what the Savior commands us to do, the marching orders, and that includes baptism. As Baptists also, we believe that baptism is by immersion, which is best, best pictures, we believe, in terms of our doctrine, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we also teach that the order of how this all works out is that we, what, believe first and then are baptized. We believe in believer's baptism. That's, that's a distinctive of our church. It's what we uphold. This is why we don't practice infant baptism like some other Protestant traditions. You probably have friends and others who, who uh, practice that, and they may, and many of them do, agree with us on the gospel, but we may have some disagreements on this issue of baptism. And that's okay because we can have good fellowship with other Christians who differ in areas like this. And many Christians differ on the ordinances, but it's important for us to see what we believe. Because as Baptists, we wholeheartedly believe that the Bible is not um, baptism, that, that what the Bible teaches about baptism is not baptism if faith does not happen before it is administered. It's what? Believe and then be baptized. These are our convictions. We hold to this as the Baptist faith and message clearly teaches. And we also practice the Trinitarian baptismal formula, as you've heard and seen many baptisms here. Um, So we baptize not in the name of our denomination or in the name of some popular person or something like that, but we baptize in what? The name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This all implies also that baptism would be done in a biblical preaching, gospel preaching church 
who worships this triune God. We would reject baptisms from cults, for instance, or other non-Christian, unbiblical, gospel-less religions. We just wouldn't see that as, as, as biblical baptism because the, it has to be from the preaching of the actual word of God and truth of the gospel for it to be baptism. And all Christians who have been baptized as believers at or through the gospel preaching in a variety of different churches, being obedient after their belief to be baptized as Christians, uh, are all being faithful to the command that we're seeing from Scripture and the convictions that we have as Baptists. If you're interested in more on this topic of baptism, I preached last year a series uh, titled Understanding Ordinances and Membership. There's a lot more to be said, but we could leave it to that. Um, But the question I want to transition now is, what does our baptism have to do with our church specifically, our local church? Or does our baptism have anything to do with the questions of the Lord's Supper or our church and things of this nature? And this leads us to the second point to see from the Baptist faith and message, and that is membership. Point two is membership. The next section of the Baptist faith and message says this right after it says what it did about baptism. It says, being a church ordinance, talking about baptism, the Baptist faith and message says, it is a prerequisite to the privileges of church membership and to the Lord's Supper. Do you see that from the BFNM for short? That's if you hear that, that's Baptist faith and message. Do you see what it's saying there in our church doctrine is that in order for somebody to be a member of our church, uh, they must believe first. It can't be any clearer, right? It's a prerequisite to be a believer in order for you to be a member of the church, and then you take the family meal of the Lord's Supper after you have believed and have been baptized. And the reason I want to submit to you is so clear is because uh, it makes sense that you would have Christians be joining and being involved in a church. And a Christian's first step of obedience is what? To be baptized. It says believe and to be baptized. And if someone's not wanting to be baptized, we want to encourage them towards that first step of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ prior to them uh, maybe becoming a church member, if that makes any sense there. I think it's clear, and our church doctrine puts that forward. Now, You may run into people, I know none of you are leery of church membership because you're church members and you're here, but you may run into people that are leery of this topic of church membership. But I want to encourage us all that it's simply, it's just a practical way of recognizing who has publicly professed faith and allegiance to Christ as as their ultimate identity, um, as we saw a little bit from our sermon this morning. We see this kind of public recognition even in the early church. Look with me at at Acts chapter 2 verse 41 for this. It says this, so those who received his word were baptized and there were, what's that next word? Added that day about 3,000 souls. The early church in the miraculous preaching of Peter when 3,000 were saved, not only were they publicly baptized believing the gospel, So believer's baptism, right? They were also, it says, added that day. People knew that they were a part of them. So that connects with this topic of church membership. 
more to be said. I discussed that a little bit more in the series, so we'll move on to the last point and the issue of the Lord's Supper, the second ordinance. You got baptism and then the Lord's Supper. Let's see what the Baptist faith and message has to say about that now in closing. The Lord's Supper is a symbolic act of obedience whereby members of the church, through partaking of the bread and the fruit of the vine, memorialize the death of the Redeemer and anticipate his second coming. Look with me at Luke chapter 20 and verses 19 and 20. It says this, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. We've seen this before, and we partake of the Lord's Supper monthly. And as I had preached this sermon on the series on this topic, titled Benefiting from Communion, we summarize what we're doing in the Lord's Supper in in three ways, and that is remembering together with joy. We remember Christ's death until he returns regularly as believers in this family of God, This is a family meal taken not with unbelievers, but with Christians, right? Why would we, why would anyone want to partake of the Lord's Supper if they're not a believer? Now, some people just think that that's what they're supposed to do, but we want to encourage, which is why Pastor Wood and myself, when we're leading in the Lord's Supper, we encourage those who may not be believers um, to not partake in that part of our service because it's a family meal that, that we take together as Christians, as a Christian family. This is a meal for Christians to remember together at church, together to put forward the gospel and physically see realities that are represented, that are representing the gospel. The bread representing his body, the fruit of the vine representing his blood spilt. These are physical representations or symbols of our sacred Faith, And we do this when we remember Christ's death together. What a, what a glorious remembrance, right? We need to be reminded of the gospel regularly. And to be able to remind it in different ways, even think of the wisdom of God. We could partake of the Lord's Supper in such a way that we're able to show and see visibly something that's representing the most significant thing in the history of the church. So I show our kids while we take communion, we're pointing out like this represents the body broken, the blood spilled. Look at it, look at it. Remember, it represents the gospel that was just preached. They remember, they see, we see, we're edified. We are celebrating the gospel, not, not mourning over something, not, not in like a dreary, sad, bored, somber way. No, it is the best news. Jesus died for us. For us, when we take uh, uh, this, we do this with joy, right? We remember together as Christians with great joy because there's so much grace and mercy and amazement in what we're remembering in the gospel that how can we partake of it without being thankful and blessed and excited and encouraged? That's why I want to get us to be looking around when we take the Lord's Supper so that we could be blessed and edified with the truths of the gospel and see other Christian 
friends and, and family partaking of it together as well. And in just a few weeks, a few short weeks, we're not only going to see a public profession of faith in water baptism, we're also going to be voting and discussing, even tonight during our business meeting, we're going to be discussing a dear sister in Christ and her upcoming baptism and membership pending her baptism. Praise God, we're going to be able to see this on display. And, and then we're also going to be taking the Lord's Supper on that very same day as we remember together the great gospel with joy. Let's pray thanking God for these realities together. Father, we just thank you for your truth and your word and what you revealed to us. Thank you for giving us the two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper, so that we can have physical representations of some very, very important, life-transforming, amazing realities of the way that you save sinners to yourself and you engraft them and, and bring them into local churches and then, and then the family that continues to remember the gospel together. Thank you for the ordinances. Thank you that we could consider these things and then also participate in these things here at First Baptist Church. We say this in Christ's name. Amen.